0: It's just after 8 o'clock in the big city. It's time for America's favorite Las Vegas sports show, SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson. (laughs) Yeah. What up? Party's going on. Duh. Going to a party. For peace of mind, visit PDCenterLV.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Leverer's Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium, and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the aviators. PromoDirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. PromoDirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook, America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit WilliamHill.us. So get ready, because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now.
1: And welcome back to SportsX Radio, folks. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. It's been a long time. That's right. One week ago was the old Thursday-Friday special holiday edition of the Friday football fiasco. Now we are focused in on a Friday where the biggest game in the Pac-12 is here in our backyard tonight. Brad Powers and Ken Thompson recording the Friday football fiasco Friday morning. KT will be at that game at Allegiant Stadium tonight, hoping his Trojans can take care of business so that he can put Brad Powers and all the other naysayers about USC to bed. We'll see how that all pans out. BP, going to be a fun Friday football fiasco. Here we are, PSBR Law Studios in Vegas. And a wild weekend last weekend, not only in the college, of course, in the NFL as well, and it sets up for a real interesting weekend but a big weekend in the NFL.
2: It does KT not uh, wild for me when it came to bad beats and what could have been, but not, not so wild for KT who gets yet again, the better of BP when it comes to bets LSU outright loser to Texas A&M. I mean, I'll tell you what, two for two for KT back to back years. He calls Texas A&M's big upset back to back years. Last year was Alabama at home. This year it's LSU at home. Kudos to you KT.
1: Brad Powers, you've been around to a bunch of the stadiums, college stadiums. You're going to go to a 40 more this off season. Top three, environment-wise, when they are ruckus crowds, do you have Texas A&M as one of those top three?
2: I haven't been there for a game. I was just there this summer. Uh, impressive facility. But, yeah, I mean, w- when you're watching – uh, it's certainly a night game at Kyle fields, easily top five, uh, intimidating environment. I would say whiteout Penn state death Valley at night, Kyle field. There
1: you go. Can't disagree with the whiteout Penn state. Love to go to one of them. My, my sister SportsX Michelle actually made it to a whiteout game there in happy Valley. And I know Mark Hoke's been to several of those games as well, hailing from the great Keystone state. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, Monday, Tuesdays, Thursdays, Friday, SportsX Radio originates from the PSBR Law Studios. Wednesday night, of course, 1750 North Buffalo. You can catch me down at Steiner's Pub, 103 in the Vegas Valley. PSBRlaw.com. You may not need them now, but you may need them in the future. The best in personal injury, SoCal for a long time, and now here in the Vegas Valley in their fourth year. Jot the number down, you know the 702 already for Vegas, 830-9353, 830-9353, 830-9353 over three and a half billion in verdicts and settlements, the last decade for their clients, strength by your side, the relentless pursuit of justice, it is PSBR law. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, looking at college football, and we've got nine games that are on the slate for Saturday, a couple games coming up. Later today, you've got Buffalo at home in a makeup game against Akron, and then the Mid-American Championship game in Ohio, trying for that elusive MAC championship. It's been a wild year for the Bobcats. Here's a team that was picked to come, you know, near the bottom of their half of the MAC. Very impressive. They do lose their quarterback Curtis Rourke though, and uh, CJ Harris will step in. What's your take, BP? Because I know these games will be going on. Uh, probably late second half when SportsX Radio starts on Friday. But is Ohio good enough to beat a Toledo team with Daquan Finn?
2: Yeah, I think so. I mean, because let's face it, Toledo, you know, how healthy is Daquan Finn? He tried to give it a go last week, couldn't do it. Tucker Gleason didn't look good. I mean, they lose outright back-to-back weeks as a double-digit favorite. I mean, just generally speaking, I mean, you like streaks, KT. How about Ohio coming into this matchup, eight straight covers for the Bobcats? Toledo, completely opposite, five straight non-covers for the Rockets. So you know what it is with streaks. You can bet and win many times, just lose once. Why not bet on the streak here? I lean Ohio. There
1: you go. All right. Uh, meanwhile, and I, actually that game is tomorrow. I'm thinking of North Texas and UTSA.
2: No, the Mac usually plays on a Friday night. I know. I know how you're thinking.
1: for Buffalo. They need to win that game so they can become bowl eligible sitting at five and six. So they may get it done but Akron comes off a very impressive performance with a backup quarterback. Kind of turned Brad Power's eye because he knows the Mac as well as anyone.
2: It did. So it's not only Akron's best performance of this season. I had to go back several years I'm like when's the last time Akron you know, blew somebody out in Mac play and you know Northern Illinois ha- isn't having a great season but uh, certainly they were a double digit favorite in the game for a reason and yeah, you got to like what you saw there from Akron, and maybe it's a team finally starting to click at the end of a first year of a head coach, Joel Moorhead, who I like the hire. So, you know, it's one of the reasons why on Sunday morning when the line got posted, I bet Akron plus 14 still lean that way, KT. All
1: right, so I thought USC would be playing Oregon, and for all intents and purposes it looked that way. Still don't know how the Ducks blew that game against the <laughs> beeves. Look, the beeves are tough, but they only threw the ball 12 times, six completions. But somehow Oregon just fell apart and blew that huge lead. As you're watching that, Brad, you're saying there's no way. Surely they can't give the ball up again. I mean, something goofy, but got to give Jonathan Smith credit. His Beavers started believing, and they come away with that victory in the Civil War game. They finished 9-3, and three, but it's another game in the regular season that the Ducks just didn't finish, and it cost them a shot against USC in this Pac-12 championship
2: here in Vegas. I was surprised you didn't mention it, so I'll mention it. What would you think of the call going forward on fourth and one on your own 29-yard line when your opponent has momentum? You
1: would think that they would have learned from the Washington game that they lost at Autzen Stadium going for that fourth and one. And in that game, they were averaging almost seven yards a carry. So I get it. Maybe you're going there, but it cost them big time as Washington kicks that last second field goal. Utah, everything had to go right for the Utes. Four different things. Of course, they were going to take care of business in Boulder more than likely against Colorado, but they needed UCLA to beat Cal. They needed Washington to beat Washington State, and they needed Oregon State to beat Oregon, and everything worked out for the Utes, and that's why KT, while you're listening to the start of Friday Football Fiasco, is there at Allegiant Stadium hoping his Trojans are going to be able to beat Kyle Whittingham and avenge their only loss of the year, a 43-42 game, in which they led for better than 55 minutes in that game. It was tied a couple times, but Utah never led that game until 48 seconds remaining. So at Rice-Echo Stadium, they played their A game. I thought they got a gift call. Uh, still a rule that I want to see changed in college football in the off season. that if you call a personal foul for targeting, and then you go and you look and you find out it is not targeting, and you say, okay, that player can stay in, well, then how can you mark off a 15-yard penalty if you just told us that the personal (laughs) foul did not happen? That makes no sense to me, Brad. I just don't understand that rule.
2: I agree with you, KT, and I also agree with you that I thought USC outplayed Utah, and can you expect Utah Cam Rising, who threw for over 400 yards, the most yards in any game by a Utah quarterback going back to 2005, and can you expect Kincaid to have a record? He had more yards... He had more receptions and yards than any Utah tight end in, in school history. I'm not sure that that gets replicated on Friday night. So oh. yeah, I'm with you, KT. I, I'll root for your Trojans a little bit.
1: Yeah, they won't have the home cooking, but Kincaid will. He's a graduate, of course, right here in Vegas a Faith Lutheran High School. So he's looking to excel in front of, in front of some of the home fans. Should be a ruckus crowd. USC travels well, and Utah travels well. Utah, of course. Uh, Very familiar with Allegiant Stadium, so it should be a lot of fun. We'll see if Caleb Williams can indeed perform like he did against your Irish last week. Your take as far as Williams' performance and where that elevates him as far as the Heisman.
2: Well, I pretty much locked up the Heisman uh, trophy, and if you don't believe me, believe the market. You got to bet basically thirty bucks to win a dollar right now on Caleb Williams. Uh, you know, in front is first time a lot of people probably across the nation got to see USC and what they saw was the, you know, the guy that deserves to win the Heisman. I mean, he, he had several Heisman moments against the Irish and uh, delivered the goods. Not only against the spread, but delivered. It looks like yet another Heisman Trophy winner for a quarterback under Lincoln Riley's system.
1: And for KT, it's not that I just want USC to win as a fan, because I do, of course, been rooting for them for a long time. And this is the first time they really have an opportunity to do something, not only for their school, but also for the Pac-12, just because the Pac-12 has not been able to deliver in big games. So they have that big game against Utah. We know Kyle Whittingham's a heck of a coach, and we know Utah's a blue-collar team. Very deep team in the running back position. Tavion Thomas got into some type of trouble uh, with the coach a few weeks back, didn't play two games, then he played a game, then he didn't play last game. But Glover and Jackson stepped up big, and Micah Bernard is there, so they've got plenty of depth in the backfield. They do miss Brand Keithy, but Kincaid is solid, and there's some other quality receivers – what about Utah's mindset going into the game? Do they mix it up a little more with the running game, or do you think Rising tries to ha- duplicate what he did in Salt Lake City and wing that ball around like he
2: did? Yeah, I'd expect more passing like what they had in the first game. I mean, we certainly saw – USC probably does the same thing that they did to Notre Dame last week. They did a lot of slants and stunts up front, loaded, you know, loaded up on the line of scrimmage. they got to think Utah at the wide receiver position can't necessarily beat us. Uh, So we'll be okay one-on-one there. So, I mean, personnel-wise, Utah is pretty similar to Notre Dame in the fact that their best receiving option by far is their tight end, just like Notre Dame. Uh, So, I mean, look, they, they let Drew Pine have success, but they also let Drew Pine, you know, make a mistake or two, and that was basically the difference in the game. So, yeah, I think USC loads it up, and they're, they're going to force Utah to, to, to try to beat them over the top. We'll see if they can do it uh, t- twice in the same season.
1: All right, so right now – uh. Friday morning when we were taping, Westgate Superbook and pretty much everywhere around the Vegas Valley has USC minus two and a half. The Circa flexing a minus two. So they're getting uh, more money on Utah there. And the total is sixty six and a half. Westgate Superbook, 67 around town, pretty much everywhere else. Your take if you had to play the game, Brad, and again, I don't know what side you're on. You said you could maybe root for me and USC. I'd love to see USC play Georgia just for the you know, contrast in styles. I'm hoping I get that opportunity. If SC is good enough to beat Utah, then maybe they have a fighting chance against the SEC because you and I differ as far as opinions on Georgia. And we, uh, we talked about that a little bit earlier here in studio. <laughs> talked but, about it. Well, we yelled Pulled about it. Pull
2: behind the curtain. We That's almost good. came to blows. Was, nah.
1: <laughs> no, there's, a, there's no need. But I, I, will, yeah. I will still back up my opinion that I'm not sold that Georgia is that great of a number one team. I just feel there's a lot of holes in Georgia, and people don't look at it because they haven't lost a game in two years. So I get that, but I'm not convinced that this team is that great, nor the SEC overall is that great this year.
2: So I'm rooting for you not only because you're my friend, but I'm rooting for you because I would like to see SC in the playoff against Georgia. So maybe it's a little, you know, me being a little selfish trying to think I'm going to get some value there. I will say I do have Utah 4-1 to to win the Pac-12, so bankroll for this game probably, you know, would be better suited if Utah wins, but... I don't know. I I didn't bet the game. And you know me, KT, I'm not afraid to bet every side in total if I think there's value. Just haven't gotten to the window. And even three didn't get me to the window. I I think plus three is probably the sharper of the sides. But, again, I'm worried. I I, I rewatched the game. I thought SC was better than Utah. And that game was in Salt Lake City.
1: There you go. Rice echoes very tough environment. But what about USC at a minus 135 at the circa minus 140 on the money line, even higher up to 150 some places uh, on the money line for USC since you already have a 4-1 to one Utah ticket. Did you think about potentially yeah. hedging back on USC?
2: Not yet. Uh, here's what does worry me and why I think you're starting to see a little bit of money on Utah. I mean, it is the third straight big game for SC. And, yes, you know, Jones at running back stepped in nicely for Dye, but th- this is still not the deepest of teams that Lincoln Riley is going to have in the in the future next year and after that, so... That would be a worry for me, KT. So, no, I haven't hedged back. It's not life changing money. No hedge. I'm good.
1: Okay. I will say one place at USC I think is as deep as anybody in the country is that
2: receiver. I agree. So yeah. I mean, Jordan Addison, Mario Williams, uh, you know, you got a ton of guys. Washington, uh, you know, Jerry Rice Jr. Duh, so you got a ton of guys.
1: Yeah, so that's the the one thing, because uh, you were missing Jordan Addison and Mario Williams. That's
2: Brendan Rice. I don't know why I, know why I said Jerry. Rice, yeah, yeah, Jerry's
1: kid had just one reception for 25 yards. Uh, the ball was spread around nicely by Williams, but he is fun to watch. He's a magician, and uh, he, he's got to be careful, though, against a defense like Utah. Boy, you could get blindsided one time, and that could be it. It could be curtains. That's how It'll happen against Georgia is.
2: K-T in the playoff. Well, let's hope they get there. That's Can't wait hoping. for you and I to have a spirited discussion on that. All right,
1: Mark Hoke, of course, my producer. The Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. You like professional wrestling, you'll love the Mark Hoke Show. Brad Powers and myself, we're going to get rolling on the big college conference championship games. Brad, real quick before we take our first break, uh, Deion Sanders in action, Jackson State 11-0, Walter Payton's alma mater, of course, taking on Southern in the SWAC championship. McCray, the quarterback, leading Southern, going against Shador Sanders. And Jackson State, Uh, Wilkerson, pretty good running back. Hunter, Daniels, Coleman Jr., and Gaines as far as receiving core. Don't know too much about this team. I did watch them a couple times, bits and pieces, because they were on TV a little bit more on ESPN covering them. Uh, What's your take, Jackson State Southern? Should it be? A blowout there for Dion's boys?
2: Yeah, I think it will be. we already seen the matchup earlier this year. It was 35 nothing Jackson State winning. I mean, Jackson State had a bye last week. Southern played their arch-rival Grambling in the Bayou Classic. Uh, so I, th- everything points towards Jackson State. The only caveat I can come up with is dion has been in the news all week, and I think he's been interviewing for jobs. But there's just such a talent disparity between the two teams that we see nothing but one-way action on Jackson State here, and I agree with it. All right,
1: there you go. That line... Last we saw was 20, 20 and a half. Jackson State. It'll close favorite.
2: 21. Brad Powers says it'll close 21.
1: So if you want to play the game, get on Jackson State. Get on them now. 35 nothing. that first meeting against Southern. Segment number one in the books, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. It is a Friday football fiasco. We come back. We pick it up with that first game on Saturday in rotation order. Game 307-308, Kansas State at TCU. Well, it's actually a neutral field. Big 12 championship. We'll talk about it right after this. Welcome back. Friday football fiasco. Ken Thompson, Brad Power, SportsX Radio. Miss any part of the show, archive up by 11 o'clock Pacific time. You can catch that, SoundCloud, Facebook, Spotify, and, of course, Apple Podcasts. We're rocking and rolling here. We're taping 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Friday morning. KT will be at that USC-Utah game at Allegiant Stadium. Lots of good games on Saturday. And uh, we'll have one of them right here on one of our sister stations at Odyssey. And that, of course, 98.5. The fan, the Odyssey app, download that. Purdue in Michigan, the Big Ten Championship, 5.15 p.m. Pacific time. Kickoff, Big Ten Championship from Lucas Oil there in Indianapolis. So mark that down. If you want to listen to that game while you're driving around, maybe you've got work to do, great time to throw on 98.5 there. Meanwhile, College Hoops, we carry the Wolfpack from Reno up top and on uh, 11.40 a.m. the bet, and you can listen to the Wolfpack go up against Loyola Marymount. They're at Hank's house. That's right, my old stomping grounds there. Westchester, California, taking on the Loyola Marymount Lions. That's a 7 p.m. tip-off on Saturday night. And then Sunday, that's right, the Raiders will be right on this station, 840 a.m. KXNT, another sister station, taking on the Chargers. I believe it'll be the Chargers home uh, home broadcast, so you'll get that. Uh, you can tune in again on 840. Kickoff is at 125 p.m., a do-or-die game again for the Raiders. They really have to run the table, uh, maybe can get away with one loss and finish up 9-8 and eight and have an outside chance at the postseason. But if they're going to make the postseason, they've got to do the old coach's cliche one game at a time. They've won two games in a row in overtime. They've depleted Brad Power's bankroll a little bit, and uh, <laughs> we'll get to that when we get to the NFL. BP, Great to have you again on a Friday football fiasco. And really appreciate not only you, but our good pal Mark Hoke accommodating schedules to make sure we get in the Friday football fiasco. And doesn't Mark look so chipper early in the morning?
2: He does. He's, you can definitely tell Mark is a morning person.
1: Well, Sunday mornings we know because it's the Mark Hoke Show, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. Fish Fane in studio. I mean, you got to be fired up if you're going to be dealing with fish that early in the morning. Let's welcome in our producer, producer Mark Hoke. No, just kidding. We'll, uh, we'll get with him next week when we talk some FCS playoffs. In fact, later on, we're going to get Brad's take on some of the big FCS games, but we're just hoping that Mark Hoke's alma mater, North Dakota, the Bison, end up in the finals against KT's favorite FCS team, the South Dakota State Jackrabbits, Mark's second favorite team. All right, BP, let's get rolling. Let's go right to it, and let's look at the – Big games coming up. Let's go to that Big 12 championship game. It is Kansas State and TCU. Max Duggan and company. I kind of disposed of that great defense you were talking about last week, Iowa State, 62-14. to KT was on the right side there again. Again, it was one of those weeks that I'll just kind of cement an infamy there, uh, you know, just knowing that everything that could go right went right last week. Hoping I can duplicate that somewhat on Saturday. I'm going to look at TCU. Most people I know are on Kansas State. Will Howard will continue to play starting quarterback. Adrian Martinez may get in for a couple gadget plays, not sure, but according to Coach Chris Kleiman, he's not ready to go 100%. Martinez had a great season, uh, threw for 1261, six touchdowns. He rushed for 10 more touchdowns over 600 yards, but Howard has stepped in, hasn't missed a beat, done an outstanding job. They're very fortunate they have him as their backup. Uh, 13 touchdowns, just two picks on the year. He's rushed for another one as well. Uh, Another two touchdowns, I should say, on the ground. And you've got a good running back combination. Not only Deuce Vaughn, but the youngster D.J. Giddens. Only had seven yards in the first meeting between these two teams. He's really upped his game. We know Malik Knowles, very dangerous, solid wide receiver, great return man as well. Brooks and Warner, pretty good. On the defensive side of the ball, Kobe Savage, three interceptions, 58 tackles. Junior linebacker Austin Moore, 82 tackles, 55 of them solo. He anchors that defense. And then you have a pretty good secondary with Brents and Mason. Both of those guys with three picks on the year. Meanwhile, for TCU, Max Duggan, what a blue collar job this kid has done this year for the Horn Frogs and Sonny Dykes. Over three thousand yards passing, twenty nine touchdowns, just three interceptions. He's rushed for five more. Kendry Miller's been outstanding, sixteen touchdowns on the ground. De Mercado's a pretty good compliment there to Miller in the backfield. Has five touchdowns on in the ground, on the ground I should say. Meanwhile, Quentin Johnson. Questionable with that ankle, and that's key because he's their leading receiver. Barber, Davis, and Williams, they've combined for another 12 touchdowns. In nine games, their safety, Bud Clark, leads the way with four picks, 27 tackles, and then Johnny Hodges, Jamoy Hodge, 141 tackles between those two junior linebackers. Mark Perry, the senior safety, doing a nice job as well. Trail, uh, trail, 21, or I'm sorry, led that game, the first game, 28-10, to 10, Kansas State did, and then TCU a 21-0 nothing second half. Led by D. Winners, who had an outstanding game on defense as well, but Duggan's the real deal. I like this kid. Somebody that probably wasn't even going to be the starting quarterback, Brad, until an early injury to Morris in that Colorado game. Your take on this one? Kansas State, TCU, Horn Frogs. Last I saw, were two and a half point favorites. I'll get the update right now. It is right now down to two, uh, pretty much everywhere, including the Westgate Super. Actually, the Westgate's flexing a, a, two and a half, 62. Uh, over at Circa, it is two and 2-62. Your take on this one.
2: Yeah, you mentioned uh, that Chandler Morris, uh, first start of the opening season, couldn't move the football against a terrible Colorado team. He gets hurt. Duggan comes in. You know the rest of the story. Uh, I can't believe that Duggan wasn't. You couldn't see that in, in the fall camp that Duggan was a better quarterback, especially with his experience. Uh, this one, though, I'm going to take Kansas State. I, is it one of my favorite bets of the week? No. Uh, was I hoping for a three? Yes. Am I going to see it? No. But with that being said, I mean, does this game have its say USC somehow, I know it's hard to imagine, KT, but say SC is a two, two and a half point favorite, loses somehow against mm-hmm. Utah. I mean, does this game mean anything then at that point for TCU? Probably wouldn't. They could lose and still make the playoffs. They still could, even with SC winning, they could still maybe lose and make the playoffs. So is there still that sense of urgency for them? Uh, Kansas State's got to be confident because they led by 18 and Will Howard played a lot of the game uh, in the first meeting but also got dinged up and missed a couple series. The third-string quarterback comes on, throws a bad pick, and that pretty much changes the entire complexion of that game in addition to a couple of missed field goals. So I think Kansas State here, the, the, the game plan simple. Don't turn the football over. Run Deuce Vaughn at running back and just, you know, to pl- play your style of game. Total says it's going to play more towards Kansas State. So, uh, yeah, g- give me uh, Kansas State here plus two outright.
1: All right, so Deuce Vaughn, 83 yards and a touchdown in that first meeting. I will take TCU. I just think, again, a team that's just disrespected. Not taking them because, you know, I, I, I'll tell you what, if Adrian Martinez was starting, I would not bet the game. If Adrian Martinez was 100%, I respect what Will Howard has done, but now that there's film on them for TCU, I think they'll make adjustments, and I think they're going to get some more pressure on him. I think he'll make some mistakes. I think TCU is going to continue to roll against a defense that's not nearly as good as Iowa State, who got torched last week, gave up they 62 get points. They didn't
2: torched. They didn't. I mean, a couple defensive touchdowns. I mean, look, you won the bet. You're way better than me in the game. TCU was the right side. But for a team to win by 48 points and still only have a 47-yard advantage, it was yet another misleading box score for TCU. You just can't play like that all year.
1: I get it. But when you lose by 48, I don't care what the box score <laughs> yeah, says. Okay. You got your ass kicked. End of story. Yeah. All right, and TCU's 12-0. and 0. They're not getting respected. Andre yeah. Miller's a hell of a running back. De Mercado's outstanding as well. Uh, now, Quentin Johnson, not going to be near 100% if he does go. But Barber, uh, Darius Davis, Savion Williams, pretty good. And I think the defense, like I said, will be able to make some adjustments based on the film that they have now on Howard. So I respect the coach over there. Of course, uh, Mark Hoke is, is uh, somebody that's a little partial because another North Dakota State guy coming to go and D1 and making a nice adjustment as uh, the coach for K-State Lyman, is doing there. So it should be a fun game but we're on opposite sides of the opener and I'm sure there's going to be a lot of disagreement throughout the Friday football fiasco. (laughs) Let's jump into the mid-American game with Toledo and Ohio. You tipped your hand a little bit there, thinking Ohio may be able to hang. Again, Daquan Finn, not 100%. Had he been 100%, this guy was really on a roll. But he does throw a bunch of picks. Jason Candle, hard to believe he's in his seventh year already. They've lost a couple straight. The Rockets have three of their last five without Finn being 100%. Stewart and Boone, not a bad combination in the backfield. Newton, Maddox. And then Blankemsey, three good solid wide receivers there for Toledo. On the defensive side of the ball, Hines has six and a half sacks from his outside linebacker position, 51 tackles. How about five interceptions for Quinion Mitchell? Two of those he returned for touchdowns. By the way, if Finn does struggle, Tucker Gleason can step in. He's a pretty good athlete in his own right. Dallas Gant also leads the way there for the Rockets defense, 103 tackles. Most of those, though, are... uh, assisted tackles 59 of them assisted 44 solo tackles uh does juan johnson also doing a pretty good job like i said with five and a half sacks 61 tackles there for toledo ohio u tim albin in his second year three and nine last year really got off to a great start with curtis work and we know his brother played quarterback there for the bobcats for a few years did a nice job but curtis work blew out his knee so he's out for the year and that hurt but cj harris stepped up nicely did a decent job last year last week in the uh Win against your alma mater, Bowling Green, 38-10. to uh, He rushed for three touchdowns and 65 yards, threw 196 in another touchdown. But more importantly, he took care of the football, didn't turn it over. Bangor on the ground had 96 in a touchdown. A couple receiving touchdowns during the year. Jacoby Jones, another good, solid wide receiver along with uh, Wiglas. And a tight end, Tyler Foster, that has 12 receptions, three of them, four touchdowns. They did not play Toledo in the regular season. Ohio used D, led by senior linebacker Key Thompson, 96 tackles. Bryce Houston, five-and-a-half sacks from his senior linebacking position. And Sanders and Drake, three INTs each for the Bobcats. In this game, Toledo and Ohio, Ford Field, Michigan's where we're at. Can the Bobcats get through, get that first elusive MAC championship? Brad Powers right now, Toledo, minus three. Total fifty four and a half from the Westgate Super Bowl.
2: Yeah, they haven't won the Mac since nineteen sixty eight. They're 0 five in Mac title games. Uh, you know, personally speaking, not only am I rooting for Ohio, because I bet I'm plus four and a half on Sunday, but I generally speaking, I'd like to see Ohio win it just for for that program that's been so close here. Uh look, I think the game plan's very simple for Ohio. Sim- similar to what they did against BG. Just don't turn the football over with the being the backup quarterback. If you do that, Toledo more than likely will probably beat themselves. Why? Because Toledo in the last two years, KT, has seven losses outright as a touchdown-plus favorite. Nobody does less with more than Jason Candle. You said it's hard to believe he's been there seven years. I wouldn't give him an eighth year. I mean, that was terrible to go 7-5 and with that roster when you're a favorite in every game but one, that being the Buckeyes. So uh, I'm leaning Ohio here, even at plus three.
1: Of course, uh, Jason Candle getting that job when Matt Campbell took off for Iowa State. What's your grade on Matt Campbell? This was a guy <laughs> two, three years into his tenure there for the Cyclones that a lot of folks said this guy's ticketed for the Big Ten or another major conference. Things have kind of fallen off a little bit. How good a coach is Matt Campbell in your, in your estimation?
2: Uh, I think he's going to be yet another example of probably staying in a program too long. He probably should have left a couple years ago when his star was the brightest and now, you know, it's tough to win consistently in a program like Iowa State. So you're going to have some down years. And he's had a couple, actually, for underperforming seasons. So not as bright as what it was a couple of years ago. I think he's a good coach. I just don't think he's a great one.
1: Like Brad Powers said, hard to go against streaks. Streaks see Ohio with seven straight wins, but eight straight against the number. On the other end of the spectrum, Toledo, five straight losses against the spread. Next game on the docket, we've got Coastal Carolina and Troy. This game will be at Troy, Alabama, Veterans Memorial Stadium. Could get uh, could get maybe a, a little rain. I was kind of looking at the weather. Uh, there were a couple games. Actually, let me see. Uh, Central Florida-Troy, yes, 95% chance of rain was the last that I saw in this one. Uh, Central Florida-Tulane, also 90% chance of rain. Those were the only two as far as these conference championship games that are outdoors that could be Uh, involved in some inclement weather. BP, real quick, Jamie Chadwell, the coach of Coastal Carolina, looks like he's going to be the next guy in line for Liberty. How much does that take away from the Chanticleers?
2: Yeah, I don't know what, you know, if I can put an exact, is it worth a half point? Is it worth a point? Here's what I do know. I mean, anytime you take a few hours out of your week, and, look, I know what my game week is. I can tell you what I'm doing almost every hour of the day during the week as I'm prepping for, for the upcoming week. i got to imagine it's very similar for a head coach. And if you know if I'm distracted, I'm interviewing for other jobs just a couple hours, that means I'm not 100% prepped like I usually am. So, yeah, I, I think it is a negative that, that he's a little bit distracted here. The
1: line on the game as we look at the Westgate Superbook line, it is 8.5. Troy the favorite on their home field, 48 is the total. We're going to just kind of start this game, and then I'll get Brad's take on who he likes in this game when we come back from our first break. But how about Grayson McCall? Banged up, missed three games, going to try and give it a go with the foot injury tonight, but he is the first Sun Belt three-time MVP. Pretty special quarterback. Grayson McCall, 21 touchdown passes, just one interception. He's rushed for four more and 165 yards, thrown for over 2,300 yards. This kid is special. Talk about a drop-off. Jared Guest has stepped in. He's thrown <laughs> one touchdown pass and four interceptions. It could be woeful for the Claras. We'll talk about it with Brad Powers when we come back. It's a Friday football fiasco. Live PSBR Law Studios here in Vegas. At Brad Power 7, at Ken Thompson 87, at SportsX Radio, and at Mark Hoke Show. There are our Twitter handles live from Vegas. We'll be right back. PSBR Lost Studios here in Las Vegas. That's right, you're tuned in to SportsX Radio, Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. We taped the Friday football fiasco 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. on Friday morning. Right now, of course, USC going at it with Utah here in the Vegas Valley, but we're going to get you caught up on the big games for Saturday. When we left off, we were on game 311, 312, Coastal Carolina and Troy. From Troy, Alabama, it is the Sun Belt Championship. And Grayson McCall is the big question mark here. Here's a guy, first-time, three-time MVP in the Sun Belt, missing three games, but in nine games, as we said, threw for over 2,300 yards, 21 touchdowns, just the one interception. In the backfield, good combination with C.J. Beasley, Reese White, over 1,100 yards and eight touchdowns, three more receiving touchdowns between that duo. And then a good plethora of receivers, Sam Pinckney, Jared Brown, Tyson Mobley. They're the wideouts. 121, 127 receptions, 11 touchdowns, tight ends. couple of those as well, Xavier Gravette and Jacob Jenkins. Seven touchdowns, 28 receptions between those two guys. So 25% of the time they touch it, it's going to be hitting pay dirt. Meanwhile, on the defensive side of the ball, Adrian Hope, five and a half sacks. The senior, also junior linebacker JT Killen leads the way with 89 tackles. The two losses for the Chanticleers last week getting blown out without Grayson McCall in the lineup at James Madison. And an earlier loss, a puzzling loss, 49-21 to to Old Dominion. Not that they lost to the Monarchs, but that they got blown out like they did by 28 points. They're taking on Troy. We know how solid this defense is for the Trojans. They're a team, 19 giveaways, 19 takeaways. So they're even up as far as the turnover department. They do have 38 sacks, the Trojans do on the year, but they've given up 36. So just a plus two there. Jared Dagey had played some of the action early on, but Gunnar Watson has been that guy. Not great stats, 10 touchdowns, 10 interceptions. Not a ratio that you really want from your quarterback. He's rushed for a couple touchdowns, but Kamani Vidal is an outstanding running back. Over 1,000 yards, nine touchdowns on the ground. DK Billingsley, no, not the guy from Friday Night Lights, but this guy's pretty good. 599, five touchdowns on the ground. Tez Johnson, R.J. Johnson, these guys, 79 receptions and eight touchdowns to lead that Troy offense. And they don't do a ton offensively, but they do enough. And they rely on an outstanding defense. Senior linebacker Carlton Marshall, 112 tackles. Brad will get into that because I believe he may be the all-time leading tackler in NCAA history for one program. T.J. Jackson, eight sacks, and Craig Slogan has 89 tackles. What about a Troy on their home field laying eight-and-a-half Brad Powers? That's a pretty steep number in a championship game. The total's 48, but it's not so steep if Grayson McCall can't go for the Chanticleers.
2: Or if he's limited uh, and and doesn't look healthy. But, I mean, even a, a 65 70% Grayson McCall is better than the backup, at least from what we've seen the last couple of games. We'll start with the handicap, Grayson McCall. I mean, hes if you don't believe us, I mean, he's one of the most valuable players in all of college football. It's worth at least seven points to the point spread. And, again, if you don't believe us, that's how much the point spread moved when he was in the lineup against Southern Miss and then, shockingly, was announced out of the game. The line moved seven points there. Uh, I think he's going to play. The line right now is saying that he's going to play, but maybe he's not 100%. Uh, I like Troy. Number one, I like the consistency of Troy. This is a team that should have won 11 straight games coming in this game. The only blemish in that 11-game run is the Hail Mary touchdown pass on the final play against App State. I like their defense. I think the defense is the best unit on the field. Now, it does worry me that the offense leaves a little bit to be desired as far as getting margin, but let's talk the other side. Even if Grayson McCall is somehow 100% magically healthy, I don't think Coastal's that good of a team, KT. They're 9-2. and two. They've been outgained on the season. They have a negative yards per play margin. Keep in mind, the last two years, Coastal Carolina was top five in the country in yards per play margin. It's not the same team as the last couple of years ago. And then finally, we kind of mentioned at the, at the start, Jamie Chadwell's interviewing for other jobs. I mean, to me, I think it's a negative. So add that all up. I mean, Troy's my favorite play of the week.
1: Troy has won nine straight games. The Trojans on their home field. Remember... We're looking at this Friday morning, but it looks for all intents and purposes that there will be rain in this game. Check your injuries, check your weather, stay updated, especially with key players like quarterback Grayson McCall for the Chanticleers of Coastal Carolina. Next game on the docket, Central Florida, Tulane. This is a rematch of a game played earlier at the same venue, Yulman Stadium, and there's predicted rain for this game as well, but both teams acclimated to rain throughout the year. UCF over there in the Orlando area always seems to be rain in some parts of their games uh, in the Sunshine State, supposed Sunshine State of Florida, and also Tulane, there in New Orleans. They've run into inclement weather as well. Michael Pratt leads the hometown Faithful there, Tulane. Tajay Spears, outstanding job on the ground, over 1,100 yards, 14 touchdowns. And then Wyatt and Watts, these guys, great combination, 12 touchdowns receiving. And Tyrick James, 24 catches, five of those for pay dirt there from his tight end position. Two tacklers, linebackers that lead the way for the green wave. Dorian Williams, 104 tackles, 64 of those solo, four sacks included, and Nick Anderson, another steady linebacker, 100 tackles, 57 of those suckers are solos as well. But they are minus six in that sack department. They are, however, plus seven in the turnover department. They lost the first game when they gave up 336 yards rushing to Central Florida, lost that game 38-31. For UCF, they're fortunate because they have two quarterbacks. Last week, they had a 28 nothing lead on South Florida. Nearly blew the game. John Rice Plumley did a nice job. Stats look great. But it is Mikey Keene that came in to throw two fourth-quarter touchdown passes and lead the way. Central Florida got that win by a touchdown, and they advanced to this game against Tulane. Tulane, of course, was playing Cincinnati, and the winner was going to host this game for the American Athletic Championship. R.J. Harvey, Isaiah Bowser— Great combination in the backfield there for UCF. Javon Baker, Ryan O'Keefe, and Kobe Hudson. Three outstanding receivers to lead the way. Traymon Morris, brash defensive end, six sacks on the year. And senior linebacker Jason Johnson, 114 tackles to lead UCF's defense. Again, Mikey Keene, John Rice, Plumley, good one-two combo at quarterback. I'll ask Brad who gets the bulk of the snaps there. Uh, again, Pratt leads the way. For Tulane, the game in New Orleans, we're expecting rain for this one. In the game, we look at the line at the Westgate Superbook, and it is Tulane on their home field, minus 4, 56 and a half from New Orleans, Brad.
2: So let's go back to the first matchup. That line closed Tulane at one point favorite. UCF was clearly the right side. Not only won the game outright, but I thought should have won the game by more than what they did. They controlled the game from start to finish. So why all of a sudden? And that game wasn't that long ago. We're not talking about a game that was played in September. This was in November, same venue. And in the last two games, I mean, Tulane has far exceeded expectations. They've covered by a combined 30-plus points. UCF's failed to cover expectations by more than 30 points, losing outright to Navy, and then really you know, gave up a big lead last week and almost lost outright to their rival, South Florida. So that's why we're sitting here at 3 or 4. I originally bet Tulane and pulled behind the curtain here. Uh, it's because I've seen a lot of money come in on Tulane the last couple weeks, and I consider it sharp. So I laid 2.5 on Sunday. With that being said, if it were to tick up to 4.5, I would take back Central Florida. And right now at 4, at the current line as we're taping this, I would lean 4. And Ken's going to say, what, you already made 2.5? How can you, you you take back if you, you're really not in a strong position? Well, 3 is pretty important, last I checked. And then also you met, you asked me about the quarterback situation. I think Plumlee's going to play. I think he's a little bit healthier than what the market originally thought. Uh, but either way, I think you'll probably see both quarterbacks. Plumlee in the run game if he's healthy. And then Mikey Keene, I just think, is a more consistent passing quarterback. So uh, not much of a difference between those two. So I guess what I'm getting at is I lean UCF. Do you disagree?
1: No, you know what? Uh, with a number of like 3.5 or 4, and right now currently 4, 56 and a half is your total, uh not a game i'm going to touch i'll i'll watch it i'll well you know what i'll actually tape this uh because i'll probably be watching some of the other games i'll glance at this one i'll be watching all the games at once but this is one i want to go back and watch i like this two lane team i like what they've done they did lose uh early in the year i believe the southern miss right that was their uh their yeah that was yep and that was uh just a three-point loss so other than that this team has really stepped it up and the green wave are fun to watch uh, Central Florida, always exciting. They have been for years. They hand the baton down. Uh, we saw hypo there. We saw different coaches, uh, Scott Frost. Uh, all these guys are able to get good, solid offensive speed players out of the Sunshine State and be very competitive in the American Athletic. This will be a fun game. I'd like to see Tulane win the game. I like Fritz, and I think this is a, a team that he's got uh, going in the right direction. And I think they're going to avenge that 38-31 loss, but I'm not going to put money on it with the number – Currently sitting at four. I'll respect Brad Power's opinion and I'll just watch this one and uh, enjoy it later on, but I will have money on several of the games. Fresno State, Boise State. Next game, Jeff Tedford, of course, back at Fresno State after Kalen DeBoer books up Northwest, takes the job at Washington, Boise State. Hank Bachmeyer was the starting quarterback at the beginning of the year, but it's Taylon Green that took over. And Avalos and the Boise State Broncos did a pretty nice job closing the year. And Brad, it all happened. In Game 5, when you had this game, you had Boise State against San Diego State. And I'm watching that game, and I'm saying, my God, how bad is Boise? they got to get a new coach. It was 13-0 at the half. They couldn't even move the ball. And then one of the biggest turnarounds, and I think not only did it turn around that particular game against San Diego State as the Aztecs were outscored by the Broncos, 35-0 in the second half, but it also turned around Boise State's season I thought Halani did a nice job. He didn't play in a couple of the games. Jente stepped up as well. Those two guys, 16 touchdowns between them on the ground. Caples, Bowens, not bad receiving-wise. Cobbs and McAllister, also pretty good. Ezekiel Noah, outstanding middle linebacker. Uh, weak side linebacker Schramm had 93 tackles to lead the way. And J.L. Skinner, pretty good solid senior safety with four interceptions. Boise State, sitting right now, plus 12 sacks, 26 takes. Uh, there's 26-4, four, 14 against, plus three in the turnover department. And a Fresno State team that's won seven in a row. Jay Kaner, when he's healthy, we know this Bulldogs offense can move the ball. Jordan Mims, 14 touchdowns on the ground. Marino Cropper, good solid receiver, leads the way. And Nico Ramirez also had five touchdowns via the airwaves. He rushed for two more. Pope and Brooks, pretty good. And Powell's decent tight end. Evan Williams, he missed four games, stepped in and still was the third leading tackler for... This Fresno State Bulldog team, he was their leading tackler last year by far, but this year it was senior linebacker Lavelle Bailey with 76 tackles leading the way. But on the defensive line, senior defensive end David Perales, 10.5 sacks, 15 tackles for a loss. This guy was a stud and was Mountain West Conference uh, Defensive Player of the Week a couple different times this year. Fresno State on the blue turf against Boise State. It's not as powerful an advantage as it used to be. Well, Boise State finds himself at the Westgate Superbook, minus three, 54-and-a-half. It's Albertson Stadium in Boise. Brad Powers, where are you on this game?
2: Yeah, I bet Fresno. I like Fresno here. Uh, at three, though, I mean, you, you went from above three to three. So, I mean, obviously less value. You talked about Boise State's turnaround, and kudos to not only uh, you know Green at quarterback, but obviously Dirk Cutter taken over as OC. Remember, they fired their OC at, at, at the conclusion of the UTEP game, the devastating loss at the time. I talk about the turnaround at Fresno State. I mean, boy, this is a team that didn't cover their last five game, their, their first four games, their first five games, I should say, of the season. And then what was the turnaround? Well, it started in the San Jose State game. And then it obviously really turned around when Jay Kaner returned from injury. I think they're the they have the most upside of any team in the Mountain West when they play their A game. Their A game Fresno State, especially in the pass game and everything, is better than anybody else. And I just think. They're not going to be intimidated by the blue turf. They already played there earlier this year. They have beaten Boise State on the blue turf in a Mountain West championship game just a couple of years ago uh, when you know the, the, their head coach was there, Tedford. So I just don't think there's an intimidation factor here. And I just think also this, you're going to laugh at this and roll your eyes, the gambling gods probably, you know, uh, you know they giveth and they taketh away. And they gave one to Boise State last week, one of the all-time worst beats if you played against Boise State. And I just think they're overrated because of it. All right,
1: Logan Fife, of course, quarterbacked in that first game. It was a 40-20 to win for Boise State, but it was a uh, 20-17 to halftime game, and then the Broncos shut down the Bulldogs offense again with a backup quarterback. Jake Hayner, 2,432 yards, 17 touchdowns, three interceptions. He's rushed for two, but he missed four games. Brad Powers, is Jake Hayner a quarterback you expect to see play at the next level?
2: Oh, you know – He'll be a guy that I probably bet on in the NFL preseason. He's probably a guy that can make a good backup. I don't think he's a starting quarterback, but I like the kid. He's worth a lot, seven points in the line almost. All right, there you go.
1: All right, we move on to the SEC championship game at the Mercedes-Benz zone in Atlanta, Georgia, and them dogs are there again. My goodness, Kirby Smart, what an incredible job he's doing there with Georgia. At the Westgate Superbook, Georgia minus minus seventeen and a half, fifty-two. 52 the total. Jaden Daniels was listed as probable. We saw him late game last week in College Station in a walking boot, but uh, apparently uh, he's walked around enough and he's ready to go in this game. For your old <laughs> coach at Notre Dame, Brian Kelly. We'll see how things pan out. But Daniels, pretty solid year. Threw for 15 touchdowns, just a couple interceptions. He's rushed for 11 more. The backup would be Garrett Nussmeyer, just in case Daniels cannot go the entire game. They do get Josh Williams, their leading rusher back as well. Noah Kane, John Emery Jr., those two guys have filled in admirably, and those guys will get the ball as well. On the defensive side of the ball, Harold Perkins Jr., just a freshman linebacker, seven and a half sacks, 60 tackles. has five sacks as well from his defensive end position. But two other linebackers lead the way for the Bayou Bengals defense Micah Baskerville, 76 tackles, and Greg Penn, the third, 66 tackles. Those are the anchors, really, for Brian Kelly's defense. As far as Georgia, it is all about the defense. The offense, Stetson Bennett, he just wins one of the better college quarterbacks don't know if he'll pan out at the next level but this kid's a winner hasn't lost a game seven rushing touchdowns he's thrown for 16 six picks over 3,000 yards passing Kirby Smart now in his seventh year you add up the uh, 12 wins that they have this year he is 78 and 15 in his tenure there with Georgia Kenny McIntosh DeWan Edwards pretty solid backfield uh, McIntosh a better receiver than Edwards out of the backfield and Kendall Milton Pretty good as well. Got nicked up, and then you got the best tight end in the country, and Brock Bowers leading the way. Just five touchdowns receiving, three more rushing, but you know how steady this kid is. You need 4th and 10. This guy will get you 4th and 12. Lad McConkey, not related to Phil McConkie for you folks, uh, New York Giants fans, thinking that maybe there was relation there. There is not. His dad and his brother both did play football, but no relation to Phil McConkie. 46 receptions, four touchdowns for Ladd and a guy that seems to always find an opening somewhere against his own defense. They are without linebacker Nolan Smith, but DBs, Ringo and Starks are outstanding. Linebackers, Dumas Johnson and Monden, 117 tackles between these two. Remember early on in the year, and I questioned Brad Powers about this Georgia defense because I said they only have seven sacks. They've given up seven. They only have seven themselves. Now they have 22 sacks and they still have only given up seven. So 15 unanswered sacks by that dog's defense. They are, however, minus two in the turnover department. A little bit of a surprise. Should be a good game. Game is in Georgia. Big line here, 17.5-52. I know, Brad, you think that defense is suffocating. Jaden Daniels is going. Give me those points.
2: Yeah, if Jaden Daniels, if you told me he's at least 80%, yeah, I think it's too many points. I just, I got, it's a good in game live betting situation. If he looks really hobbled and can't run, keep in mind Jaden Daniels, is by far LSU's leading rusher. If he looks hobbled and he's not used in the quarterback run game, then I think George is a side. But if he is running around and looks like, hey, Jaden Daniels looks okay, then I think I agree with you, KT. So uh, that's pretty much where I'm at in the game.
1: All right. So we'll get back uh, next segment and we'll start it off with Clemson, North Carolina, Purdue, Michigan. Brad, we got a couple minutes here before. Uh, The next break, but your take with the top four, any surprise and with Ohio State sitting at number five and Alabama number six, even if TCU and USC were to lose, even lose badly, I don't think TCU falls out. USC loses. There's no doubt in my mind that Ohio State goes up above USC and even Alabama would go above USC. Uh, But your take as far as, you know, how that top four pans out if TCU loses that big 12 championship game to Kansas State.
2: I think that they're still in. Uh, obviously, it depends on on the USC uh, game as well. I mean, if USC loses tonight, I think TCU is absolutely in win or lose. Ohio State's the team. I let the futures markets tell you because some people are like, "Oh, Alabama can maybe sneak in." No, if it's anybody, it's Ohio State. Ohio State's national title future odds are ten to one. Alabama's fifty to one. So that tells you right there.
1: If Ohio State only lost that game at the Horseshoe to Michigan, say by a point or two, maybe three. Would they still be in the top four in your estimation?
2: Wow, that's a good question, KT. I don't know. I I think they would be. Yeah, Yeah, I I, I could see it. Yeah, definitely.
1: And I think, yeah, and then USC would have been forced to beat Utah. Well, they are anyway, so I think that might have helped them leapfrog Ohio State, but I would have still had Ohio State in the top four if it was a close game at the Horseshoe. We'll see how things pan out. We're going to get to that Michigan-Purdue game. Again, you can hear that on one of our sister stations. So we'll give you that information again. But two games to go. Clemson, North Carolina out of the ACC. Purdue, Michigan out of the Big Ten. And then we'll get into the NFL. But we'll throw some other things back and forth as far as college football with a lot of transactions and the coaching carousel on the move again. SportsX Radio, we are live from Vegas, PSBR, Law Studios. Mark Hoke running the show. We'll be right back. You're listening to SportsX Radio. We'll be right back on KDWN Odyssey.
0: For peace of mind, visit pdcenterlv.com. Rob Ritchie, Farmers Insurance, 702-335-5744. 702-335-5744. Laborers Union 872, the builders of Allegiant Stadium and the Las Vegas Ballpark, home of the aviators. Promodirect.com. Use K-10 for a 10% discount on your promotion items order. Promodirect.com. And by William Hill Racing Sportsbook. America's leading racing sportsbook. Visit williamhill.us. So get ready, because SportsX Radio with Ken Thompson starts now. now.
1: now. now. Hour number two, SportsX Radio Friday football fiasco. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, Mo, Mark Hoke in studio and uh, we are rocking and rolling here. Hour number two. A couple college games to get to. Some more college information. Then we'll get into a intriguing NFL schedule coming up on Sunday and Monday night. Monday night game not so great with New Orleans and Tampa Bay. But a lot of intriguing games on that Sunday schedule. Do not forget our sister stations right here in the Vegas Valley. You can catch some of these big games going on. Including one college game in the Big Ten Championship. That will be Purdue and Michigan at 5.15 p.m. kickoff. 98.5 FM will have that. The fan, download that Odyssey app as well. Meanwhile, college basketball, we've got UNR, the Wolfpack, Steve Alford and company. They'll be in Westchester, California against Loyola Marymount. That tip-off is at 7 p.m. Catch that on 1140 a.m. The bet. And then Sunday afternoon, right on 840 a.m. KXNT, download that Odyssey app as well. The Chargers and Raiders kickoff, 125 p.m. from Allegiant Stadium. Still a do-or-die game. For the Raiders, as they try to climb back into uh, some type of uh, hope as far as playoffs, they got two successive overtime victories. They are sitting at four and seven. We'll see how they pan out this Sunday against the Chargers, who got a touchdown and two point conversion to keep their record up over 500 in the AFC. West Kansas City has run away with that division. Brad Powers, before we get going with Clemson, North Carolina, ACC title game, Purdue, Michigan, Big Ten championship game, let's go back to. LSU, let's go back to Georgia. I want you to uh, grade these teams. And last night when I was talking with Andy Isco, Andy Isco was, well, LSU really wasn't that focused. They knew that they had this game on deck. For me, I I got into it with them a little bit because I said, look, LSU also knows, and Brian Kelly knows very well, you're not getting in the playoff with three losses regardless whether you win the SEC. So I think LSU brought what they thought was their best effort against A&M. They just got beat. Your take on this LSU team under Brian Kelly, they lost that opening game against Florida State on Labor Day, and I thought he did a pretty good job overall, but he did need to win that A&M game to keep LSU and the Bayou Bengal fans alive as far as a potential playoff. What about LSU in your guesstimation?
2: Yeah, well, first off, he did do a good job this year. I mean, I mean they're playing for the SEC championship game. I don't think anybody really expected that. Certainly I didn't. But with that being said... You know, I'm going to kind of agree with you. I'm not sure that they played really, you know, a flat performance last week that they were looking ahead. I just think it's more the fact that they might not be that good, KT. And going back through the schedule, keep in mind, this is a team that won a a few close games. I go back to the Auburn game. So there's this advanced analytic. It's just post-game win expectancy. It basically takes the, the, the box score of the game and basically says, what percent chance should you have won this game? The Auburn game for LSU, 8% after looking at the box score. So they were really outplayed in that game against a bad Auburn team. Alabama game, great performance by LSU, but still came down to one play, two-point conversion. Kudos for Kelly for making the call, but to just say he drops it, that's a loss. And then I'll say this. If LSU plays K.J. Jefferson and not a backup quarterback, LSU loses to Arkansas. They barely won as it was against a backup. So uh, this, to me, after going through their schedule, K.T., doesn't seem like a nine and three team, more like a seven and five, maybe eight and four type team. So that gives me a little bit of pause on running in the window to bet them against Georgia.
1: Okay, so that said, they found a way to beat Alabama. Yeah, Alabama sitting in that number six slot with two losses, but they had this loss to LSU. You're telling me that LSU not near as good as uh, potentially their record, uh, but Bama also a near loss against A at home a one-point win at Austin, Texas. What about the disappointment for the Crimson Tide faithful and your grading of Nick Saban and this team? Because going in with Will Anderson Jr. anchoring your defense, a lot of people thought this may be Bama's best defense, and the odds on them at the beginning of the year, they were 6-5 to five to win the title, yeah. closing number at the Westgate Superbook. I mean, how wrong can they be it's not like any major injuries derailed the crimson tide just a lot of people had this team overrated
2: including me i thought they were as good of a team as i've seen coming in to a college football season i mean how could you not you got the greatest coach of all time the best defensive player in college football They're, you know the defending heisman trophy winner you don't get to see them too often so Where did they fail? Well, I think we're going to see here in a little bit, and that's going to be Nick Saban making some coaching changes. I would not be a bit surprised he gets rid of both OC and DC because they just did not look like a typical Alabama team. You saw in any time they go on the road, 10 penalties, 12 penalties, 14 penalties in these games. They're just not very disciplined. Offensive line left a lot to be desired, and I think personnel-wise – they do not have that same wide receiver core mm-hmm. as they've yep. had the last five years. That's right. It finally caught up to them. So, I think because of that, I mean, they fell short, way short, in my opinion, of expectations. I'm I, stunned they're not going to the playoffs.
1: No, I agree 100%. That's what I, I told several people. In fact, Mitch Kelly, when I came in and we were talking and I said, here's the deal. I know they only have two losses and two close losses at that. But at the end of the day, tell me somebody wide receiver-wise that you know on Alabama. And you know. Or Burton and JoJo Earl, and some of these guys. Yeah. And, but it's not the household names like Devontae Smith yep. and Jerry Judy and Waddle and, and, and Jameson Williams and these guys. I mean, those guys you knew, these guys you don't. You have to look them up unless you're an Alabama backer. So, Uh, Yeah, they definitely did not have the skill position players. They did at quarterback, there's no question. Bryce Young, he got nicked up and still is a gamer. That guy single-handedly, I think, down the stretch, won the Texas game, avoiding that sack and a big key run and coming up big in that 2019 victory in Austin. So the last thing as far as SEC, let's talk about number one Georgia because we differ in our opinions. Look, I think the defense is solid. Is it suffocating like last year? No, of course not. They lost a ton of those guys to the NFL, so I get it. Also, Nolan Smith is out. That's a key loss at linebacker. Secondary, like we said, Ringo and Starks, pretty good anchoring there. There's some names there that are decent, but it's not the same suffocating defense. When I watched the game, and I watched the whole game when they went to Missouri, I played Missouri in-game. Third quarter, I still got 25-1 to in that and nearly pulled it off. 26-22 was the final but Mizzou was right there late fourth quarter with a chance to win that game. And then the game when Georgia went to Kentucky. It's not a good Kentucky offense. Even with Chris Rodriguez back, Levis declaring for the NFL, I get it. But the Georgia defense is good enough, but they got a key turnover on an interception in the end zone that was turned returned about 60 yards and led to a touchdown. They only put up 16 points against Mark Stoops. Not that Stoops has a bad defense. He doesn't, but if you look at statistically... Kentucky's stats are pathetic sack-wise, uh, turnover-wise, not good at all. But they are a blue-collar team, and they play you know, pretty much to the competition. Whoever they're playing, they'll play up or down to the competition, uh, a solid Kentucky squad, and that's why Stoops got the extension. But where is your take as far as this Georgia team sitting at number one as opposed to last year's Georgia team that finished number one? How good is this Georgia team going into the playoff, sitting in that number 1 slot, because I don't think that they're the best team in college football.
2: Oh, wow. Well, see, I'll disagree with you there on that, because I do think Georgia's number 1. Original question was, you know, where do they stack up with last year's Georgia team? They don't. Last year's team I'd favor by more than a field goal over this year's team. Defensively, just doesn't have as many elite caliber players as they did a year ago. They're not as disruptive. Uh, but, and they're missing a few things. Uh, you know, the running backs are solid, but they're just not as explosive as the one-two punch last year at running back. I'm not sure that their offensive line is as good. Uh, So, yeah, last year's team's better. The problem I have uh, with you saying that, uh, you know, they're not number one this year, I just don't think anybody's as good as last year Uh, compared. I mean, Michigan's maybe a little bit better, but we'll see without Blake Corum now for the rest of the season. I, I just... Who else are you going to put up there? I mean, Georgia's going to be favored uh, over everybody else. I mean, this playoff semifinal, I'm telling you, they're going to be favored by double digits over USC. That that pretty much tells you that you know, Georgia's probably the best team this year. Look, LSU's better in 2019. Alabama's better in 2020. Last year's Georgia team was better. It's not one of the, these all-time college football teams, but I think in this season where a lot of teams are down, I mean, I expect them to win it all. I'll be surprised if they don't. Yeah, and
1: again, I agree with you as far as right now that they should be number one. I'd have Michigan right there based on that dominating performance in the second half against Ohio State. Got my head turned. I had the Buckeyes. I thought for sure Ohio State would win even when they fell behind. I'm waiting for them to make adjustments. They never made adjustments. A lot of kudos to Jim Harbaugh and his team because they played a second half, and when Ohio State was sucking up trying to take Quorum and the running game Edwards away, They were able to throw over the top, and uh, uh, JJ McCarthy was able to do that several times. So we'll get to that game. But again, to me, it's a Georgia team that when I look at the teams that they played offensively, that's why it is intriguing. That's why I'm praying that USC does beat Utah, just so we get that matchup. Not that I don't think Georgia will have a successful day offensively against USC's defense, because I think they'll be able to run the ball with that trio of running backs that they have. I get it, but I don't think they're going to be able to outscore USC if Caleb Williams is able to stay upright maybe get sacked once or twice. I think USC is dangerous enough with enough offensive weapons at the skill positions to, to spread Georgia out. And I don't think there's anybody on Georgia's schedule. And so because the SEC gets shoved down our throats First off because ESPN has that contract and second of all because they've dominated because of Alabama so they earn the right to tell us they're the best conference but they don't go outside the conference they don't as a whole they don't travel out to really anywhere outside of neutral positions as far as some of their key games with their big boys. So, again, we know the SEC is good, but how good are they? And we don't get an opportunity to see those conference crossovers like we do in college basketball just because of lack of schedule and also the way that these teams play it. I've also got a bone to pick with the Big Ten. I've got a problem when Ohio State and Michigan play eight home games and only four road games. They're the only two teams in the top ten that did that. It's not right Michigan starts with four home games. Ohio state with five home games. You have a ton of freshmen. You're able to dress more guys at home. And so you're able to find out a lot about a lot of these key recruits that are coming in. Why? Cause you're dressing more and you're going to blow out a lot of these teams that are getting checks coming to your house. And then by game five, you know, whether or not these are guys you want to dress when you go on the road and have a limited roster.
2: I hear you in that regard. Uh, and for long-time listeners of the show, I'm hoping it's Georgia and USC because me and KT will have our biggest disagreement and maybe possibly the biggest bet between us uh, since we've been doing this the last five years. No uh, question.
1: I will tell you, yeah. you're you're dead on. If USC represents and plays Georgia, that will be our biggest play against the I show. I
2: cannot wait. I'll just put it that way. All right. Well, hopefully
1: SC is able to take care of business and Kyle Whittingham doesn't derail me twice this <laughs> season. All right, back to the last two games What a disappointing ending of the year for Clemson. This is a Dabo Sweeney-led team. And DJ Uyangalele, uh, the youngster out of St. John Bosco, boy, he thought for all intents and purposes he was going to be able to redeem himself and get the Tigers into the playoff. Has not turned out. Wide receiver Bo Collins, shoulder injury. He is now out for the year. Look, Will Shipley's been outstanding on the ground. The sophomore running back over 1,000 yards, 14 touchdowns. I like the freshman, Phil Moffa, as well. Shows a lot of promise, and they do get Antonio Williams back as well. Joseph Nagata, uh, tight end Davis Allen. There's decent weapons there, but it's just not been an offense that has clicked consistently. And we thought that Cade Klubnick, who came in in the Syracuse game, may get a couple starts down the the, uh, stretch, but he didn't really pan out. He only threw for 98 yards, a touchdown, and a pick. Uh, So they went back to DJ on the defensive side of the ball. It's a decent defense, but one that got torched big time secondary wise against Wake Forest. They were fortunate to win that game, struggled against Syracuse, fortunate to win that game, got beat up big time in South Bend by Notre Dame and then lost a game in the Palmetto game against South Carolina where they just couldn't get that score after they lost the lead. Trotter, pretty good sophomore linebacker. Miles Murphy, six and a half sacks to lead Clemson for North Carolina. Mac Brown's boys, another disappointing end of a season for an ACC team. Lose your last two games to Georgia Tech and an NC State team that doesn't even have their starting quarterback? How ridiculous is that? They, too, their only loss was to Notre Dame going into those last two, 45 to 45-32. Just plus two in the turnover department, but minus 18 in the sack department. That does not bode well with Drake May on his wallet. 34 times this year green and Hampton decent out of the backfield Josh Downs their leading receiver last year missed a couple games but still led the team in receiving Antoine Green missed four games had another good job receiving and Nesbitt's a pretty good tight end in the game they go against Clemson North Carolina the games in Charlotte bank one stadium home of the Carolina Panthers we look at the line, Westgate Superbook. It is Clemson holding steady at minus 7.5, half Brad.
2: Yeah, you mentioned it. Both teams really uh, limp into this matchup here. Uh, I really don't want to bet either team, to be honest with you. I don't know. I don't trust either team. Here's what I do trust. The most trustworthy aspect would be Clemson's defensive front seven. Not as good as expected, but still pretty solid I like Will Shipley. Just turn around. I mean, he didn't get as many touches as he should have in the second half last week. So I think that's Clemson's game plan. That's what they do. And Drake May looks like he's out of gas. Can't run. And he's got back to back of his worst passing performances of the season. I just think he ran out of gas because he carried the team on his back. Lean Clemson for me.
1: There you go. You're listening to SportsX Radio. We'll come back. We'll pick things up with Purdue and Michigan. We'll get into the NFL. We'll talk some FCS games as well. Live from Vegas. on the FM side, 720 on the AM side. We'll be right back. Vortex Radio Friday football fiasco. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, of course, at the helm, producer Mark Hoke. Mark Hoke Show, Sunday mornings, 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. You like professional wrestling. You'll love the Mark Hoke Show. Also, if you're here in the Vegas Valley, or even if you're just coming in to visit, understand how fortunate you are demographically if you fall between the ages of 40 and 72. That's because we've got the Preventative Diagnostic Center under the tutelage of Dr. John Pierce, UNLV Alumni of the Year 2018. We've got the only scanner of its kind in the region. Gives you early detection before signs and symptoms of more than two dozen ailments like heart disease, lung disease, cancer. It is the Pre- Preventative Diagnostic Center. If I could spit that out, pdcenterlv.com. Call now. You can leave a message. Get that free educational consultation. You got the 702 down for Vegas, 534 534 Seven nine zero zero five three four seventy nine hundred. Comfortable scan takes a few minutes. You get a detailed report a few days later from board certified radiologist. They've got a great special that continues to run now over a year and a half right here on SportsX Radio. It is the heart CT scan and calcium score, guys. Especially get that widowmaker checked out. Make sure your arteries aren't clogging up. You get blindsided, and that one heart attack could be the end of you. One twenty five for a six hundred dollar value. More importantly, if you've got a significant other. They are absolutely free. So the two of you get in there, get your hearts checked out. $1,200 value total, $125. Early detection is key. Get peace of mind. Take charge of your health. No one else is going to do it for you. Get off your ass. Get, uh, get, uh, get away from the machines, the sports books for one day, and go in and see Dr. John Pierce, the Preventative Diagnostic Center, 534 7900. Again, you can check out the scanner and everything about the company, pdcenterlv.com. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers, as we finish up with the conference championship games, one game left, Purdue and Michigan, it'll be at Lucas Oil Stadium in Indianapolis. Jim Harbaugh on his eighth year, you count the 12 wins he had during the regular season, his record at Michigan is Alma Mater 72 and 24, pretty impressive there. Meanwhile, Jeff Brom, the coach for Purdue, he is 36 and 33 if you add this year's games, he's up over 500. His quarterback Aiden O'Connell able to gut it out in the win against indiana to get them into this championship game they needed a little help but everything panned out when iowa lost for purdue aiden o'connell dealing with the death of his older brother sean just a day or so before the game and everybody kind of found out after the game and a lot of prayers there for the o'connell family uh still no determination yet but Uh, some people that I was connected to let me know that they thought it was some type of cardiac issue with Sean, the older brother. We'll wait for that to come out definitively. Look, it's a Purdue team. Aiden O'Connell got his high school mate, Charlie Jones, who transferred from Iowa, comes back to Purdue, comes to Purdue, has 97 receptions, just under 1,200 yards, 12 touchdowns, tight end pain, Durham, also very steady, eight touchdown receptions and then Macabee out of the backfield. Devin had 849 and 8 TDs. So a decent Purdue offense, still not as, as explosive as I thought that Boilermaker program would have that offense going under Jeff Brom at this juncture. Defense, pretty good. They got a key win in Champaign, Illinois, 31-24. That's what opened the door. It derailed Illinois and Brett Bielema. They went on a downward skid after that, and Purdue, Kept on ticking, led by senior defensive end Jack Sullivan, had five and a half sacks. Safety Cam Allen, three picks and 41 tackles. And Sanuzi Kane, he was their leader from his safety position with 63 tackles. They zeroed out as far as turnovers, 18 for 18 against 36 sacks. And uh, I'm sorry, uh, don't didn't I actually didn't write down their uh, sacks. But linebacker Jalen Graham did have 48 tackles, second on the team. Uh, Michigan. Again, led by Blake Quorum out of the backfield, but he is out, had that knee surgery. Here's a guy just under 1,500 yards and 18 touchdowns, a receiving touchdown. Brad Powers will let me know if he still thinks Quorum will get consideration for the Heisman. Tell you what, last week, J.J. McCarthy, if he ever played like that second half against Ohio State all year, my goodness, he'd have been up for the Heisman. Threw for over 2,200 yards, 17 touchdowns. He rushed for four more. And they got key play from Donovan Edwards on the ground. He had missed three games but stepped in nicely for Quorum. Ronnie Bell, good to see him healthy for the year. Cornelius Johnson, those three, those two guys, eight touchdowns. And tight end Luke Schoonmaker did a pretty good job receiving as well. He missed a couple games. Sophomore linebacker, junior Colson, 80 tackles, led the defense. Sophomore DB, Rod Moore, three interceptions. How about plus 19 in the sack department there for Michigan? Plus seven in the turnover department. Michigan. At Lucas Oil, minus 17 big ones, 52 is the total. Brad Powers, pretty uh, gutsy performance by Aiden O'Connell last week, bearing all that heavy heart stuff with his brother Sean dying. And what a job by Michigan, taking it to Ohio State in the second half with four big pass plays.
2: Yeah, stunned by that result. Not necessarily stunned Michigan won, but the fact that they ran away with the game at the end. You mentioned Donovan Edwards. I mean, two long touchdowns. And speaking of long touchdowns, Michigan had five of them, five touchdowns of 45 yards or more uh, last week in Columbus as they win their first time in Columbus in, in, since 2000, I was still in high school. Uh, so a long time coming from Michigan. You mentioned, those 17 big ones. I'll take the 17 big ones here for a variety of reasons. Number one, Michigan's banged up. Blake Coram's out. Is Mozzie Smith going to play after the weapon charges release came out? I'm not sure that he plays. Uh, another thing for Purdue – Go through their season, they've had a solid season. They had one really bad performance, that being against Iowa at home. But what was the conditions? Bad weather conditions that really uh, hurt their uh, passing offense. You don't have to worry about weather inside Lucas Oil Stadium. So I think they play inspired. They're not going to win, but I think they can stay within 17 here. There you
1: go. As I say that, several of the books a few minutes ago dropped down to sixteen and a half, including the Westgate Superbook, 16 sixteen and a half total of 52. There are some 53s out there. As far as that game, again, indoors, on turf. Brad, I was stunned that Michigan took it to Ohio State like that. I expected, it, and I think everybody did, that if the Buckeyes were to lose, that would, it would definitely be single digits and probably within one score, and that's what would have opened the door potentially to have two Big Ten teams in the playoff this season.
2: Yeah, I just did not see it coming. In fact, I mean, I bet Ohio State pre-flop felt pretty comfortable. Watched the first, you know, 10, 15 minutes of the game. Thought Ohio State should be up more. Thought they were controlling the game. Heck, even at halftime when they're up three, I, I wasn't panicking. I mean, I was surprised Michigan got a couple long touchdowns, but I thought Ohio State will settle in. They'll probably win by 10. I'll win my, I'll, I'll win my bet. Uh, for Michigan to outscore Ohio State 28-3. to Keep in mind, that was the largest uh, d- defeat for Ohio State in any half as far as coming up short. Any half in any game since 1999. First half, second half, any game. So, I mean, for Michigan to do that on the road in such a big game, I mean, you can't say enough of what Harbaugh did.
1: I agree 100%. I really thought this team was just going to tread water as far as in that game. I really thought they would lose by in excess of 14 points. I thought the Buckeyes were really going to take it to them, and I was overly impressed with what Harbaugh has done with this team, especially with a defensive cog like Aiden Hutchinson going to the Lions yep. and, uh, you know, losing a couple
2: L- lost top both defensive coordinators. players.
1: Yeah, exactly. I mean, and J.J. McCarthy. I mean, you had uh, McNamara, who now has announced his transfer uh, to Iowa. He's going to be there staying inside the conference. And I don't know if – And when the schedule comes out, Big Ten-wise, because Iowa's in the west and Michigan's in the east, if they will play. But this year they did play, and it was in Iowa City, so it would be in Ann Arbor the next time they played. So it'll be interesting to see if, indeed, McNamara goes back there to take on his old coach, Jim Harbaugh. But you mentioned Maisie Smith, uh, defensive end. He is right now facing felony weapons charges. You're not sure if he goes there. When we look at the police blotter, you hate to do this, but these are some things – Nebraska's Mickey Joseph, who was the interim coach for Nebraska, arrested on suspicion of assault. When you read the uh, police report, not good. Uh, Strangulation and third-degree domestic assault are the charges there in Lincoln. And then Jalen Kitna, the son of John Kitna, Florida quarterback there in Gainesville, arrested on child pornography counts. I mean, it's an ugly week off the field for some of these college football programs.
2: To say the least. Uh, Yeah, not good. I'll just put it that way.
1: Also a guy uh, on the other end of the spectrum, a guy that I've known that's been a member of uh, uh, Fellowship of Christian Athletes for a long, long time, a Fresno State quarterback that panned out pretty well in the NFL, won a Super Bowl, not a great statistical uh, quarterback as far as, you know, winging the ball down the field, but a guy that basically didn't lose the game and relied on a great defense for the Baltimore Ravens. Talking about Trent Dilfer, how surprised are you that Dilfer is the new UAB coach?
2: Yeah, very surprised. I didn't have him getting a college football head coaching job, KT. He has been coaching high school football. He runs the Elite Eleven camp, which is for the elite quarterbacks. He's been doing that for a while, but did not have him taken a I mean, that's a pretty good job with the new stadium there in Birmingham and UAB's been, you know, a rebuilt program in the last four or five years. And kudos for him for getting the job. I just don't know I don't know to put it that way. Uh as far as how good he's gonna be at this at this level.
1: Brad Powers, you know the FCS. Our buddy Mark Hoke knows his FCS. Now he's always looking at it through bison shaded glasses because of his allegiance there to North Dakota State as alma mater. Wanted to get your take on some of these FCS games coming up on Saturday. I enjoy the way they have their playoff set up. Uh, I tease Mark a lot as far as you know pulling for South Dakota State, and that was pretty much uh, an allegiance there with their coach, Scott Nagy, when he was there coaching the Jackrabbits on the hardwood. And I just enjoyed that program. I got to know the SID sent me out uh, some souvenir stuff, including a Jackrabbits polo, which I'll wear if South Dakota State plays North Dakota State in the FCS championship game because bracket-wise, it's set up that they can actually meet. South Dakota State did beat the Bison this year, and uh, we'll see if they do indeed have a rematch. Your take? BP on some of the games this week and, and maybe an opinion or two that you can throw out to the listeners?
2: Well, I bet almost every game, uh, just because they're soft lines when they come out. Uh, a couple to keep an eye on, you know, a really bad line was Incarnate Word against Furman, open four. I mean, if you can get anything under 10, that, that shows you how bad that line was. I think that's the right side there. Incarnate Word's offense is as good as any unit in, at the FCS level. I mean, they've been dominant. Uh, I'm a little, you know, North Dakota State, Montana, you know, North Dakota State's taking some money. It's you know a game that will probably be a little bit low scoring. It's up to eight. We'll see how high that goes. I hate to do it to Mark, but I would actually lean Montana the Grizz. I know they had a horrific performance a couple weeks ago on the road against Montana State, but I think because of that, maybe you're getting a little bit of value. North Dakota State, for me, is not getting a lot of margin this year. This is not a dominant Bison team, even though I think there's still you know one or two as far as the power ratings go. One other one to keep an eye on, Weaver State plus 5 against Montana State. These two teams already played. There's a very misleading final where Weber State's, you know, long snapper snapped four snaps over the head uh in punt formations and they had four safeties against them. So, very misleading.
1: That is absolutely amazing. I mean, you would think you would just grab anybody off the bench, hey, after the guy's third one. I mean, yeah or just turn around sideways like we did when we were playing touch football and take it that way. It happened in Louisiana (laughs)
2: on, like, a Tuesday night Sunbelt game. They had a, you know, bad snap, and they just went for it then. Started just going for it every fourth down. Didn't even try to punt. Wow, crazy
1: stuff. All right, should be a lot of fun. Uh, North Dakota State, though, I know they uh, were without one of their key players uh, during the season, but I look back in that game that they played in Tucson, and I give them a little more credit there. They lost that game, but we found out Arizona's offense under uh, Jaden Delora was pretty darn good uh good enough to go into Pasadena and beat UCLA.
2: Yeah, I mean, so uh, look, it, that was—I mean, it's was coin flip game. Watching that game, Lepke's, uh, you know know—they're fullback. They're—they're they're great running back. He, I mean, he played most of the season. He was just banged up a little bit, so uh, and, and not too worried there. It's—it's uh, it's just still not as dominant when you look at how they performed inside their conference. Just is not as dominant as what we've been accustomed to the last decade here for North Dakota State.
1: All right, we'll get into the NFL. Next segment, Uh, real quick, BP, coaching carousel, uh, some of the the early coaching moves that have surprised you or maybe that have uh, piqued your interest. We expected a lot of teams to make moves, but what has jumped out at you early on as far as coaching or has anything really jumped out?
2: No, I think there's been some good moves. I mean, I think Luke Fickle for Wisconsin is a really good hire for Wisconsin. Am I surprised Luke Fickle? That's the job he decided to take? Yeah, I'm a little bit there, but I think that's a good hire. I, I think Matt ruled in Nebraska is a good hire. Uh, I give a thumbs up to that. I think at, at the group of five level, one that just got announced here as we're taping, G.J. Kinney, the former quarterback at Tulsa, who is the coach at Incarnate Word, that, that great offense, he just got hired at Texas State. That is a home run hire for Texas State. That offense. Keep an eye. You you will be wanting to bet overs on Texas State football early next season.
1: Why would Tulsa not jump out and make that move to replace? Philip I Montgomery? thought
2: definitely they would. I mean, they must have poor leadership there. How is that? How is that not your first phone call?
1: I agree. That's uh, that's puzzling to say the least. Uh, BP, last minute. Out of all those college football games, what's Brad Powers' favorite play?
2: Out of all the games. Well, I got a lot of great bets but uh, that I made on Sunday. At the current lines, I'm going to give you one. I'm going to go FCS. It's not priced in. I have to bet it as soon as we get off the air. Otherwise, this line's going to move. I'm going to go Holy Cross, New Hampshire, under the total. Really bad weather. Hasn't been priced in yet. All right. Great
1: stuff from Brad Powers. And then we're head-to-head on Kansas State TCU. That's the only one I can remember.
2: Yes, that, that is the only one that we go head-to-head. Head. So I, I take Kansas State, you take TCU, and if you've been following the show all year, Ken, Ken's probably the favorite there.
1: There you go. Final segment, NFL coming right back. You're listening to SportsX Radio on a Friday Football Fiasco. Welcome back. Friday Football Fiasco. Ken Thompson, Brad Powers. We, of course, taping 8 a.m. to 10 a.m. right here at PSBR Law Studios in Las Vegas. It is a Friday morning, and uh, a lot of these games that we're talking about college-wise are Saturday, and then the NFL, we're going to go through the Sunday slate as well as the Monday night game, and we'll start it off with the Jets and the Vikings. It's a Jets team under Robert Sala playing very solid football and making a quarterback move to Mike White, which I think has panned out well. Look, I'm not saying Mike White's a Pro Bowl quarterback, but I do like that he's efficient, and we watched him at college. We thought he was pretty good, but he's panned out now, and and uh, could turn out to help the Jets offensively make a run and potentially get in the postseason. They've got a difficult road venue against the Minnesota Vikings. We saw the Vikings get tattooed 40-3 to in that venue by the Dallas Cowboys a couple weeks ago. Total in the game is 44.5. The Vikings are favored minus three at the Westgate Superbook. In fact, it's minus three everywhere. NFL, hard to get a number on, that's sitting on three to get it off three. That is the key number in the NFL But it's a Minnesota team that when they're clicking, we know they're good enough to beat anybody. Heck, they went to Buffalo and pulled out that miracle win. Maybe a little bit too much love after getting that W. They went home and got pummeled by Dallas. Cousins inconsistent, but when he throws it well, they play well. And Dalvin Cook, Alexander Madison, those guys need to run the ball well to take pressure off Cousins. We know Adam Thielen was the guy a few years ago, but it's Justin Jefferson that's that guy now. KJ Osborne chips in. Offensive line's not bad, and the defense pretty good, especially when Zadarius Smith is healthy. Patrick Peterson getting into it a little bit social media wise with Kyler Murray, his former teammate there in Arizona. Maybe a little bit of a distraction, but Minnesota at home, Brad Powers, minus three, 44 and a half.
2: Malene with the Jets, I agree with you. I think uh, Mike White, not only an upgrade on the field, but off the field an upgrade over Zach Wilson. So, And I think the Vikings are overrated, I mean, even at 9-2. and two.
1: How about the soothsayer and the uh, future teller in Pete Carroll? How did he know that Russell <laughs> Wilson was going to decline like he has? His Denver Broncos team is an absolute joke. I mean, it's so much so that they end up trading Bradley Chubb to Miami. They'd have never traded that guy. They thought right now they'd be in the thick of a playoff run realistically and and fighting potentially uh, the Chargers and the Chiefs for the AFC West. But that has not panned out. It is a Denver team that struggles to score. They've got a couple decent receivers. Jerry Judy, of course, banged up uh, a little bit here and there. K.J. Hamler, the Penn State product, Cortland Sutton. These guys are pretty good. Decent tight end play. uh, But again, Russell Wilson just hasn't been the same. He seems to be a foot, foot and a half slower on the defensive side of the ball. They still have some playmakers led by my man from Iowa, Josie Jewell. They're going to take on the Baltimore Ravens in Baltimore. Baltimore right now in a nine-and-a-half-point favorite, total 39-and-a-half. And I'm not impressed the way Lamar Jackson's playing. I think he's trying to stay in the pocket a little bit too long. It's taking away from his dual threat ability. And quite frankly, if he plays like that, Baltimore may get in the playoffs, but they're not going to go anywhere like they have in the last few years. John Harbaugh, downgrade for me as far as his performance compared to you know maybe four or five years ago when he got into that Super Bowl against San Fran, I just don't see the same prowess there on the sidelines from John Harbaugh. It's almost like he listens to the players. Mark Andrews has been banged up, but he'll go in this one. I know they lost Bateman for the year. End of the day, the defense is good, but it's nothing like I thought it was going to be. It is what's keeping them alive, though, as far as a potential playoff run. Baltimore minus 9.5, half against this hapless Broncos team, Brad.
2: That Super Bowl win for Baltimore is already almost 10 years ago already. That's off time Time flies. Uh, I'm going to lean Denver. Uh, I'm just not interested in laying that kind of number. I'm also going to take a slight lean under. To, uh, the under in Denver games, 10-1 and 1 this year. Under. I know it's a low total, but all their games are low totals, and they still go under.
1: All right. Uh, by the way, Denver has lost three in a row, straight up three in a row against the number. Pittsburgh and Atlanta, nice effort by the Steelers to get the win at Indianapolis. Uh, again, a different team defensively when they have T.J. Watt in the lineup. They continue to play hard. I like to see that. That's a Mike Tomlin trademark. His teams usually do play hard. Uh, Falcons at home. It's a pick game. Total of 42. Look, Atlanta, a couple weeks in a row, they've had opportunities to win games that they've lost at the end. They were right there knocking on the door against the Commanders, down six. I was lucky because I had the Commanders minus the points. Needed them to stop Atlanta from scoring. There was... Uh, a little bit of time left, so they weren't going to kick a field goal to get within three, which was good for me. And the tipped ball that got picked off in the end zone at the end helped Washington get that victory to go to 7-5. and five. But more importantly, it dropped the Falcons to 5-7. and seven. They're still within a game of Tampa Bay. Tampa played New Orleans on Monday night. Falcons are at home against the Steelers. Again, it's a pick game. You can find a plus-one there at the Westgate. That's the current line for Atlanta. The home team, 42-year total. Uh, without Kyle Pitts, that's a major loss for Atlanta, and I think they're going to be hurting because of it. Uh, Cordero Patterson has been his usual steady self out of the backfield, and they have some weapons, but I'm not going to touch this game. I respect Pittsburgh enough that they're going to play hard, and their defense is pretty good, and T.J. Watt could get in there on Mariota. I don't like the game. It's a pick but at the Westgate right now, you can catch Atlanta plus one.
2: Agree, KT. I don't like the game either. I think it's appropriately priced as a pick'em. Pittsburgh's playing their best ball. Atlanta's kind of stumbled after that hot start, so pick them's fair for me.
1: All right, next game on the docket has the Tennessee Titans and Mark Hokes, Philadelphia Eagles from Philly. Line has dropped a half point since the other day, where Philly now is a four-and-a-half-point favorite, total of 44. And A.J. Brown will go against his old mates. And then you've got a youngster, Traylon Burks, out of Arkansas that has stepped up in that position vacated there when A.J. Brown was shipped to Philadelphia. Robert Woods, a pretty good receiver in his own right, but they rely, of course, on Derrick Henry, King Henry, uh, getting that ball from Ryan Tannehill, who has one heck of a play fake as well, and a lot of times he can burn you downfield when you're looking for Henry to tote that rock again. He gets the ball a lot. It's a defense that's pretty solid. They've got a lot of key players. Uh, Philadelphia, on the other hand, they've tweaked this team really nicely as far as on the defensive line. Bringing in, you know, Nadamik and Sue, I just thought was an outstanding move. They didn't hesitate when they lost one of their key players as far as on that defense. And it's a Philly team to me that is still the team to beat in the NFC East. I know Dallas is making strides, but I like Philly. I think Philly ends up hosting the uh, championship game against San Francisco, which will be an outstanding contest. I like Darius Slay. He's back now at 100% and anchoring that secondary. Philadelphia minus four and a half, 44 the total against Tennessee. A lot of respect for Tennessee, but I'm going to play Philadelphia. I think they win this game by a
2: touchdown. All right, we disagree here. I'll take Tennessee. It's tough to get margin on a team that plays defense, runs the football, and you're talking about a Tennessee team that's covered eight of their last nine games. So, and I just think, you know, Philadelphia is not as good as their 10 and 1 record indicates because of a soft schedule they played.
1: I agree. No, I agree with that. They may not be as good as uh, the 10 and 1 record, but. They're at home, and there's something about that environment. doesn't matter who's coming in there. You saw what they did to Minnesota earlier in the year. It's just a, a good, solid team on that home field, and I think Philly gets the win. But again, So
2: I think they're two points better than Tennessee. Give them two points for home field. should be four, not four and a half. Give me four and a half.
1: There you go. Well, I, I doubt that uh, Philly fans will tell you that that's only a two-point advantage for <laughs> the home field.
2: That's what and, it is anymore, though, the NFL. It's not three. It's two. Well, It's
1: Philly team. Uh, Gets the backing, and Jalen Hurts pretty solid. I like his play, dual-threat play, a little bit better than Ryan Tannehill, but I think Tannehill is underrated, especially by Stephen A. Smith. All right, move on down, the Jaguars and the Lions. How about Chris winning those Lions? They've been competitive in just about all their games. They're a lot of fun to watch, but the Jaguars cost me money last week. They came up big with a touchdown and a two-point conversion, able to take care of business and, and get a win, against baltimore and uh, that did not bode well for kt who had the ravens on the money line uh detroit pretty solid squad though even though the record doesn't show it they've been fun to watch and they've been in a lot of games even games that they've lost a lot of close calls jaguars are a one point road favorite i don't see it i get it they got the come from behind win against baltimore but i don't think this team should be favored on the road i like the lions a lot It's one of my favorite plays 51 and a half against the jags and sunshine trevor lawrence coming in And uh, a team that's banged up in the running back position. So I think Detroit's going to roll in this game. I like Detroit a lot.
2: Oh, wow. I lean Detroit, too. I mean, uh, Jacksonville's record as a favorite this year, 0-3. Not against the spread. Straight up. They've lost every game outright as a favorite.
1: There you go. Meanwhile, a big one in the NFC East with the Commanders. That's right. We're getting used to that now. The Washington Commanders <laughs> minus 2.5 with Heineke and company going in to take on the Giants. We talked about Washington getting that saving grace interception in the end zone against Atlanta, able to win the game 19-13. A Giants team that I think we all knew probably somewhat overrated. Good head coach and Dable coming over in his first year. No doubt Saquon Barkley really upped his ante, came back from injuries and really looked solid. Daniel Jones has tucked the pill under and and run well at times. Uh, the receiving core getting banged up, and of course they shipped off Kadarius Tony to Kansas City. But Wondell Robinson out for the year. Uh, Galladay's been on and off that – I, uh, well, not the IR, but the uh, uh, the the injury list to where he's missed some games. Right. Uh, also on the defensive side of the ball, it's a decent Giants defense, and I like Kayvon Thibodeau. I think he's going to pan out well there and have a long career. Giants are at home. They're catching two and a half at the Westgate Superbook. Forty and a half your sure total. What's your take on this Washington team? Because now they find themselves two games over 500. Do you think they make it three? Do they win this battle in Jersey? Again, the Giants know if they're going to compete to make the postseason, they've got to hold serve at home. This is a big-time game with both the Giants and Commanders pushing forward to make the postseason. We looked at Philly and Dallas early in the year, NFC's, but nobody really thought these two teams would be battling for the postseason.
2: Yeah, I think they do. I mean, they're playing certainly well, 6-0-1 against the spread of their last seven games, and the Giants are just really, really banged up. But, I mean, look, if you want to fade the Giants, it just does not come at a discount. I mean, the market's all over the fact that they're overrated. I just I didn't bet the game. If I had to, tease Giants up to 8.5.
1: One of my favorite games of the year, two teams that will not make the postseason, but I can't wait to watch it. Why? Because Deshaun Watson, my good old buddy, is going into Houston to take on his old team, the Houston Texans. Look, I'm all about giving second chances. Heck, I've need, you know several thousand chances in my lifetime. But I will admit when I make mistakes, Deshaun Watson, he's made a bunch of mistakes. It's evident by the amount of women that came forward as far as with all this massage stuff that went down off the field. This guy has not played a down in the NFL in a couple of years. We'll see how he pans out. Isn't it crazy how it just worked out? He got an 11-game suspension and... Oh, he goes against his old team, the Houston Texans. Well, I got news for you. Those fans, some of them may say, okay, it's good to see Deshaun Watson back in town. But I think most of them realize how that guy was a negative uh, as far as in that H-Town community over the last couple years. And a lot of them reading and staying close to this story don't agree that he's innocent like he pretends to be. Browns are minus seven. They gave him the guaranteed contract, $248 million. Poo-poo on them. Look, I like the Browns as a team. I've always rooted for them as an organization, but not now. Not after that signing right there. I hope the Texans win this game. I hope they win it by 20. (laughs) I talked about it last night on my show. I hope he gets sacked 12 times and throws five picks. It is the Browns minus seven against a hapless Houston Texans team that only has one win and a tie, but I'm hoping Houston can get it done, Brad Powers. What about it?
2: Yeah, I lean Houston's way. I'll see though if a seven and a half pops in the market. It's tough betting on this team. I mean, they are the worst team in the NFL. But with that being said, you know, hopefully Karma comes in a little bit and uh Houston for me.
1: Yeah, and if you uh if he's able to get away with uh getting through this environment there in H Town, can't wait for the last game of the regular season. How about Cleveland closes in Pittsburgh? <laughs> and if you haven't seen the film on the uh Uh, the ruckus environment in a preseason game that Deshaun Watson got in Jacksonville go YouTube that sucker that'll uh, give you some live entertainment as well all right uh, a few minutes to go and a few games to get to and let's go inside the NFC North Soldier Field the venue going to be some wind about 14 miles per hour Packers minus three and a half against the Bears oh and Aaron Rodgers says he's going to go quarterback wise well Jordan Love looked pretty good when he got in last week Maybe Aaron Rodgers is saying, eh, forget about that thumb. i got to hold my own so that I'm still here as a starting quarterback. Look, it's just a short sample size of what Love did, but he showed how uh, you know, mobile he was, and we don't see that from Aaron Rodgers anymore. Decent offensive weapons still. Love the running back combination of Aaron Jones and A.J. Dillon. There's been rumors that Derek Carr is going to be traded for Aaron uh, Rodgers. We'll wait and see uh, all this stuff, how it pans out. But right now, Green Bay's got to worry about just trying to get a W. They go into Chicago against the Bears. Bears played them tough the first time. Your take on this one, Brad Powers, Packers, three-and-a-half point road favorites, 44-and-a-half the total. Justin Fields and the Bears playing pretty good ball offensively.
2: Yeah, but, I mean, there's quarterback injuries on both sides. I just, not not interested. Obviously, you know, Packers have dominated the series and then some in the last 25 years, but uh, don't feel like laying points on the road with the Packers. All right.
1: Seahawks will be happy not to see Josh Jacobs anymore. What a key game he had keeping the Raiders season alive up in the great Northwest. Seattle finds themselves a seven point road favorite 41, the total against a Ram depleted squad, including no Aaron Donald, no Matthew Stafford. Boy, it could be a long day for the defending Super Bowl champions. I like Seattle, but I don't want to lay a touchdown. I think seven may be a little bit too much. Yeah. Well, LA. Yeah. That's a good teaser. You're, you're right. Uh, L.A. Uh, still showed some heart on the defensive side of the ball against Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes last week. Held him to 26. Your take on this one, Seattle minus 7, total 41 from SoFi.
2: Yeah, teasing Seattle down to 1. Brad, I will say this. I
1: think it'll be about 60% Seattle crowd.
2: Yeah, I could see that, definitely.
1: Yep, Dolphins and Niners' biggest game, Santa Clara. There will be rain. This is the only game where there'll be inclement weather up in the Bay Area. Not bad wind. But rain there. Dolphins at Niners. Niners minus 4, 46 and a half. Tua and company. My deal as far as Miami, 8 and 3. Don't let Tua get hurt. That's it. Keep him healthy. You're going up against Nick Bosa in that defense. Main thing, just keep him healthy. You got a chance to win if he's able to get rid of the ball quickly. We'll find out how good that Niners defense is. They've been suffocating against weaker competition over the last four weeks. They have not allowed a point in the second half. Going to be a fun game to watch. I like San Francisco. I think Miami's going to lose a couple more games this year. I think this is one of them. I got the Niners by a touchdown in this one, BP.
2: Couldn't agree more. One of my favorite plays of the week, 49ers, baby. It is my favorite play of the week in the NFL. That makes me feel good. Okay,
1: Chargers-Raiders. Raiders Raiders minus one here at Allegiant Stadium. 50 the total, and it's all about, to me, getting Derek Carr out of trouble. Look, I know no Joey Bosa. Uh, They avoid J.C. Jackson for the second time as well for the Chargers defense, but they're still a Charger defense that has Khalil Mack, the former Raider. I'm worried that Derek Carr uh, relies too much on Josh Jacobs in this one. Raiders are minus one total of 50 from Allegiant, Brad.
2: I can tell you what I bet. I bet the the Raiders, when they were plus one-and-a-half point underdog, I teased them up to seven-and-a-half. So I'm comfortable with that. I actually think the the win streak goes to three here.
1: All right. Chiefs and Bengals, biggest game in the AFC right now, Westgate Superbook. Chiefs minus two fifty three your total. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm going to play Cincinnati because Jamar Chase is back. That's the only thing. I respect KC, but this is one that if KC loses, Buffalo fans will be rejoicing big time, as will some other teams in the AFC that may have a chance to get that home field advantage. Give me the
2: Bengals at home, plus
1: two. Total is
2: 53. Cincinnati, good in a teaser, up to eight. Teasing through three and seven.
1: Colts and Cowboys. Cowboys minus minus ten and a half, forty-four and a half. The way Matt Ryan looked last week, I'll lay the 10.5. I wish it was ten. But I can't trust this Colts team. Look, I like the uh, running game, but the defense is okay, and I could see the game going under. But I think Dallas wins this game by 17.
2: Slightly under for me.
1: Last game real quick. It'll be the Saints and Buccaneers. Bucks at home, minus 3.5. Brady and the boys, again, they're very fortunate. They're in the NFC South, so even if they lose, they'll probably still be in first place. Total 40.5.
2: Lean Tampa for me.
1: Outstanding stuff, Brad. Powers. Your favorite play is uh, NFL-wise. Mine's the 49ers. 49ers. There you go. We're agreeing. Minus four. Take those Niners up there in the inclement weather. Thanks to Mark Hoke, our producer. Thanks to Brad Powers at Brad Power 7. Brad Power Sports. Get all of his plays. Make some money. Till Monday when Hoke and Fish Fane come in. You know the rules. No drinking and driving. No texting and driving. Most of all, God bless our troops. Live from Vegas, I'm Ken Thompson. You've been listening to SportsX Radio. Archives up by 11 o'clock. Have a great evening. Have a great weekend. Good night, everybody.